So our message today, as we continue in this series on guidance, this is message three. If you remember, our first message was a brief message from San Antonio, Texas, and we laid the foundation that we were starting out with Scripture as our basis. Scripture is God's Word, so when God gives us direction through His Word, that's God speaking to us, thus saith the Lord, uh, would be from the Old Testament. We talked last week on discerning God's will, at least in the larger sense, is as we discern God's will, we do it through being surrendered to Him, so that we can hear Him clearly. And if you want more depth into any one of those, especially last week's, you can, you can listen to the message from last week. Today, we wanna, our sermon is entitled, Direct Guidance. Direct Guidance. What do we mean by direct guidance? Direct guidance is the guidance that we know. It's kind of a, it's, it's not a, a term that you're going to go to the dictionary and I'm, you're going to pull out the dictionary meaning. It's a term that I'm trying to apply, you know, as we try to have a sermon um, title. It's the kind of guidance where you know that that's what God wants you to do. If you look in the Old Testament, you'll see several examples of things like, and God told Noah. So that's a direct guidance. God told Noah. And God tells, today's message is from the book of Genesis. Uh, God tells Abraham. We'll be in Genesis chapter 12. And God tells Abraham something. I want to expand the, the, the message uh, understanding when we look at this is, it's, we're talking about this week when, when you know what it is God wants you to do and how you respond to that. There are other types of guidance situation when, when God's a little more vague and maybe you might have, feel like you have more experience in that area. He's a little more vague and we'll talk about that in, 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 as we continue in this series. But as we talk about today, it's when you know Maybe you've gotten through the past where you're trying to figure out what it is God wants you to do, but now you know what God wants you to do. Or God's told you what he wants you to do. Maybe it's in his word, but you know. Now some people say, well, God doesn't speak audibly anymore. I'm not going to personally put limits on God and what he chooses to do. Sometimes I... I I know for me, when I was called to preach, I was in a dorm room and, and I, in, in the springtime of my freshman year, and I was awakened with, preach, preach, and I don't know if it was audible or in my head, but it was clear to me that that was the beginning of my calling to preach. And so I don't know where that is for you, but there might be something in your life or will be something in your life, and it's like, I know what God's will is. So let's look at some of these characteristics. This is something that you have to deal with, is how you respond and how you have that clarity. So again, in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, Genesis, the first book of the Bible, in the Old Testament, Genesis 12, 1 through 4, now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country 
Now when I say Abram, it's Abraham. God changed his name from Abram to Abraham. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house. To a land I will show you, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in all the families of the earth, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old. When he departed from Haran, may God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Abraham was said to go. The Lord said to Abram. He knew that the Lord was telling him something. And what are some of the characteristics of what the Lord was telling him? Well, one of the first things I want to tell you about is maybe in God's direct guidance to you that he wants you to, the first thing you're going to have to do is leave your comfort zone. Leave your comfort zone. Because we find in this passage of Scripture, it tells him to get out of your country from your family and from your father's house. Get out of your country where you're living. Leave family. The larger context here is he's leaving his clan, as it were, his extended family. He had traveled there with his father. You could go back in the passage of there. He's, he's to move out from underneath that. And he is to also leave his father's household. Some have said that third thing is that he is to leave, when it says his father's household, to leave his right to the inheritance. So if you think about that in the context of he had a support system. He had that that he was comfortable with. His comfort zone. His, where he was living and what he was doing. He had the support of family and, and, uh, and things around him. And he had the confidence that he would receive his father's inheritance and he was kind of his you know he he didn't he although he had things of his own he still could lean on his father for some of those kinds of things as far as support and decisions and and all that goes on you know as you transition into adulthood sometimes that big jump into adulthood, you suddenly find out that there's a lot to it that you didn't anticipate. You start to understand better what your parents were talking about. Maybe not completely, but it's like, whoa, what happened? There's a lot there. There's a lot to deal with. Now, Abram was 75 years old, so it wasn't like he was just, you know, we're not talking a teenager. We're not talking a 20-year-old. Of course, back then, maybe that meant something different, but still, 75 years old, I believe it said there. And so, but he's got to leave his comfort zone. And what does that mean? So I'm not trying to tell you literally that God's saying to you, you have to do these things that Abram's saying. I'm saying we use this as an example 
leave his comfort zone, which causes him to what? Our second point, trust God. Trust God. You have a new support system. It's God. Your support system from before and the way that you approach things and who bore the responsibility is now you have to come out of your comfort zone and you're going to have to trust God. You've got to go into His trust zone. The things that you've understood and the way you think you understood the way things work and the things that you could kind of control. And you move to a place that, that now your support system is God. You may have some unknowns. That's the difficulty, isn't it? I'm going from this to this. Some people will say they might be in a difficult situation. They might be in an abusive situation, but it's something they know. It's something they know and they've learned to deal with. And so going through something else that they might perceive as worse is scary. And you'll, you'll see from a comfort zone, people get used to certain things, you know, to the point that someone whose father is an alcoholic and abusive sometimes will marry a man that's the same way. Because there's a comfort zone. Because we know what we can, how to deal with, even to some degree, with things that aren't good. But, but there's also the side that things are going well. Why would I leave that? That doesn't necessarily make any sense. But see, now your support system of God, you have to go from a self-determined path. And from a pathway that you've done your own self-guidance to a path that God's determining for you. And that takes faith. And that takes obedience. But you know what God is asking you to do. You just need to throw, follow through. But it takes trust. It takes trust. You say that might be a lot to trust. Because I don't know what's going to happen. But do you trust God with your life? Because don't you trust him with your eternity? What if God wants to do something through you that you can't do on your own? Well, that seems like a good thing. Something through you that you can't do on your own. And he's asking you to do something that if you're trusting yourself and those around you, means you don't need to trust God to get that thing done. Well, I've got talents and skills, and I'm, you know, I know through our churches there's been this, um, sometimes people like to do a skill assessment in the church. Okay? Sometimes they call it a gift assessment. And I think a gift assessment is, is, uh, is appropriate. And some people have some gifts, and they're determining things. But very dangerous is the fact that we say, okay, and I think, remember I said it's good to understand your gifts, but I think it's also, we have to be careful that we'll say, well, I'm, I'm not, I know God's asking me to do that, but that's not one of my gifts. So, I don't have to. 
I seem to recall somebody by the name of Moses where God was telling him, you need to, and Moses says, yes, but I have a stammering tongue, and yes, I this, but, but you know, I can't, huh, God can't enable you? He's asking you to trust him so that he can do something through you so that he gets the glory because if it's only something that you can do, where's the God part? He told Abram to get up out of your country and go to a land that I will tell you. He didn't say, I want you to stop doing that and do this. I, I want you to stop heading that direction. I want you to head that direction. He says, first he says, I want you to stop. I want you to stop and leave. He didn't tell him where he was going. He says, I will take you to a good place, basically. But he had to be willing to stop and trust God with the unknown. But he had to stop for us. Now, it might not make sense. Point three, it might not make sense. How many times have you seen somebody pull out the pros and cons chart? Well, it's a pros and cons. Does this make sense? Now, we'll talk about when we aren't sure we're trying to discern God's will and, and some approaches to that, but I'm, we're not talking about that right now. We're talking about I know what God wants me to do, so why would I need a pros and cons chart? I know what God wants me to do. Why do I need a pros and cons chart? Because it might not make sense. You're going to say, well, so are you doing the pros and cons chart to convince yourself that you can trust God? Or are you trying to evaluate whether God is smart enough to pick your next step? You ever seen someone, maybe, maybe you've done this, and maybe, maybe this is something I've seen. It seems like the person, everything they talk about and all that, it seems like they're clear. They're clear on what God wants them to do. They know what God wants them to do, but they're still doing pros and cons charts. It's like they're trying to validate God's direction. It's one thing to try to confirm God's direction. It's different to try to validate God's direction that God's making good choices. And I think some people know what God wants them to do, and they use it as a delay tactic to say, I am trying to discern the will of God. No, I think you know God's will. You're trying to discern a way to stall. It's like telling a kid to go to bed, and they're like, oh, well, I got to, I forgot I need to, and there are all kinds of stall tasks. Tactics. They've got to go to the bathroom, or they need a snack, or they need a glass of water, or will you read me a book? Whatever it is to stall. And we're trying to stall on what God, we know God wants us to do, so we're going to evaluate God. Does that sound like a good thing? Now, in our series, we're going to talk to you about the dangers of dealing with fleeces. Because some people try to use fleeces. 
to determine God's will. I'm going to talk, we'll talk to, I won't get into here, but when you know what God's telling you to do, and then you're going to still throw out fleeces, and there's some dangers in fleeces, we'll talk about that in another message, that's my teaser, or, or in, the, in, in other things, I, they probably got a word for a teaser, but anyway, it might not make sense, it still means you're supposed to do it. We're talking about direct guidance. God said do it, and you're, you're playing games with, well, I don't know, is that a good idea? I've, Abraham, uh, Moses, I've got a stammering tongue. God, did you really think about all the options here? Did, I mean, God, did you think through the, he's God. He's God. He's God. Direct guidance. Direct guidance. That's what we're talking about. But I have to, I have to take that first step in faith. It might not make sense. You know, we talk about open and closed doors as a way to discern things of what God wants us to do. We're talking about direct guidance here. We're not talking about when we, we don't know. We know. And when we know, we be, be confirmed in the hard part. We look back to the point that God said I'm supposed to do this. So I'm going forward in the confidence. I know what he wants me to do. And I can watch and be reassured as I see him opening and closing doors. And I can look back and say, I am glad I followed God and come out of my comfort zone and did this because... Now I can look back and I can see how God was orchestrating. And when I look back and I see how God orchestrated this, and God orchestrated that, then when he tells me to do the next things that's a little bit harder, I can walk in the confidence that he was with me with that. I think he can do this too. And then I lean into the next thing that God can do through me to bring glory to his name. And so he might trust us and ask us to do something that stretches us just a little bit. And some of us get real uncomfortable with that. But he's preparing us so they can do something that really draws glory to his name because we've learned how to listen and discern in the smaller things. So remember, it's direct guidance. It's direct guidance. You might have to leave your comfort zone so that you're trusting in God so that the miraculous can happen because where's the miraculous if God is just like he's just kind of a you know he's part of my support system he's just like my family yeah we're part of God's family but God's the leader God's the father he's God we need to recognize him of God. And if God wants us out of our comfort zone and he tells us to go, well, where am I going? I just want you to leave and go. Where am I going? I heard someone say one time, because uh, I, I got word that someone told someone, God would not tell you to leave one place 
without telling you where he wanted you to go next. Wait a minute, I thought I just read there. God said, leave, and I will take you to a land that I'm going to tell you. But I haven't told you yet. I need you to be obedient in the leaving because being obedient in the leaving to a place that I've told you to go next is one level of trust. But be obedient to the leaving into the unknown is a whole nother level. It's a whole nother level. But then in that act of obedience, now it's like I've left this. But you need to leave well. You need to leave well. Take care of closing it up. Don't burn any bridges, as it were. Unless God tells you to. But you closed it up. And then you can focus on the, on the going. So you can listen to that. Not dragging behind the leaving. Finish the leaving so that you can go. And trust Him in the unknown, in the first step. In the first step. After you take the first step, trust Him for the next step. Remember, it might not make sense. He may only show you the next step. And you need to be obedient to the next step. You know, sometimes we say, I'm being obedient to God and taking that first step. And the first step, I'm going to try to do my best to illustrate this. If my first step is to get on the road and it's headed, it's headed southeast towards Columbus. Or maybe I'm getting on a larger road and I'm headed, and that road itself that I'm getting on goes towards Cincinnati. Or it goes towards wherever. God tells me to get on that road. So I step out in faith and go in that direction. What do some of us do? We finish the direction. Well, if God wants me to go to Cincinnati, that must mean that he really wants me to go to Dallas, Texas. Because that's in that direction, and I kind of thought it would be a good idea to go to Dallas, Texas. Anyhow, so since God's sending me to Cincinnati, I probably am supposed to go on to Dallas, Texas. And so then we start building the plans around the Dallas, Texas, and how we're going to get there, and all the places going before, and we start filling in the plan, and, and I've got this, and this is God's direction for my life, and we tell people God's direction for my life is to go to Dallas, Texas, and God's direction for your life was not to go to Dallas, Texas. God's direction for your life was to leave where you was at and to first step go to Cincinnati. You've built out the rest of it. He just wants you to go to Cincinnati. And when you get there, then he'll tell you, Maybe he's going to tell you, I actually want you to go over to Nashville and then on over into South Carolina somewhere. You get the idea? We, we say we trust God, and he tells us to take the next step, and he says, and I'll tell you the rest. So we take the next step, and then we fill in the rest ourselves. We take an initial step of trust, but then we pull it back. And we take it back over. Leave your comfort zone. When he gives you direct guidance, this is direct guidance. We'll talk about discernment and other messages. But you know, you've all went through that part. You know what it is God wants you to do. Or he's literally told you. It might literally be in the God's word. You know what God's guidance is. 
You need to trust, trust God into the unknown in that first step. Remember, it might not make sense. And you may only know the next step and only go that far. Don't take back over for long run. There's a song that goes, it's an old hymn, I think it's an old hymn. Of course, some of you might be saying anything that you remember from your childhood is old hymn. So. But it's, it's older than me even. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. The happiest you can be is in the center of God's will. Yeah, but this is tough what I'm going through right now. You know it would be tougher if you weren't in the center of God's will. Because you're probably not as smart as God. Well, actually, you're not. Trust and obey, for there's no other way but to be to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Are you trusting God? You might not be in this state of your life, but you, or you may have come through it, or there might be some new things that you're dealing with, but the first thing is, if you don't remember anything else, is trust in God. Trust in God. Your own comfort zone, not as good as God's. It's not as good as God's. Let's be standing together. Father God, as we have shared this message on guidance, direct guidance, we know that there's different kinds of guidance and different kinds of things that go on, but Lord, help us that when we clearly know what you're telling us that we need to do. That we would trust and obey. That we would step out from what makes us where we're comfortable and step into a place of trust where we're just kind of putting it all on the line even, as it were, for you. And help us to find that place. Maybe that's uncomfortable for us to have those unknowns. But if you're telling us, help us to step out. To be obedient. To cut the strings of our comfort zone, as it were. Not haphazardly, but as you tell us. And to trust in you. And not to get ahead of you, just, just to walk in the place that you have us now. Not to try to diagram everything else and plan all of the places. But to be obedient to what you're asking us to do. And to take that first step, the step that we know, and then trust you for the rest. To not take back over control. But to rest in you. To allow you to own the, re, the, the results, but just to trust and obey, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.